following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Nick Schatz. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Nikki Spagnola. And it is time for another edition of Mix Shots. Bill Jones, Mickey Spagnola, Everson Walls, and we will have a special guest coming uh, later in the show as there's so much to get to with these Dallas Cowboys on a Thursday, May 28th, 2020. And if my calculations are correct, it's day number 77 now. Day number Jim. Let me write that down. 77. Okay. <laughs> day 77 and there are less than 77 days before we're headed to training camp in Oxnard, California. I haven't done the math on that. Let's see 22 and 53 about we're about 57 days away from leaving on a jet plane for Oxnard, California. Dr. Fauci, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> he is way too happy. He is way, way too happy. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what's going on with him this morning. He took a shower this morning. Now he's all bright and bushy-tailed. Look at you, Bill. You look great, man. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But, Mickey, we got so much to get to. Mike McC Mike McCarthy with a conference call yesterday, and uh, we reestablished communication with Mickey Spagnola in a second, Everson. Uh, yes. And so he talked with the media for, oh, pretty much 25 minutes or so. I didn't put a clock on it, but uh, there were a lot of things that he went over as far as uh, how he is handling things and how the team is, their virtual offseason. Talked about Alden Smith some. By the way, coming up a little bit later, it will be the agent for Alden Smith, Ron Slavin, who will uh, join us and talk about uh, how things are going as Alden Smith joined uh, the virtual offseason program on Tuesday. Mickey, I understand you are back. I am back. I'm not frozen anymore. But, yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. Uh, things really kind of moving along this week with – uh, some of the other teams opening up their facilities to just a certain amount of people, the Cowboys doing that. Uh, and then the, the NFL owners uh, having their meetings today, virtually, of course, and also uh, voting on a couple proposals so we can also uh, get to that. And, uh, you know, I thought Mike McCarthy was pretty good yesterday talking about the different things. And I'm not sure we all really realize that uh, he went back to Green Bay uh, after the, the shutdown, and basically he's been doing uh, all the stuff with the team uh, virtually from Green Bay, all the meetings, the teachings uh, they were having. Uh, he was at his house, uh, and he's, as he said, you know, he's anxious to get back, and he felt like his family was anxious for him to get back and get out of the house. <laughs> So a little levity there from him. But, yeah, uh, you know, they're moving along, doing the best you can. It's a tough thing for teams that don't uh, that have new head coaches. Uh, but regardless, everybody's kind of in the same boat trying to get uh, prepared for a season. It's got to be a little strange, you know, your, your coach is not at the facility. Uh, that's a little bit unusual. I didn't know he had gone back to Green Bay as well, Spags. 
Uh, that's kind of unusual when you're talking about getting prepared for uh, meeting your team, working with your team. And to do that virtually, I did uh, read a quote where he said that it is affecting their preparedness because you just really can't do the same things while I'm in Green Bay, the players are here, uh, we're not even practicing, we can't even meet really, not uh, in a uh, regular, normal uh, standpoint. Uh, I just really think that this is gonna be a challenging thing for uh, McCarthy because this is a new team. Now, if he was still with the, with the Green Bay Packers, it'd be a totally different thing. He's accustomed to the system. He doesn't have to, to uh, indoctrinate anyone. At this point, uh, everything is new, and he's doing it from a remote location. It's got to be weird. You know, Emerson, I, I heard something very interesting uh, last I'm trying to, Maybe it was the end of last week or it was the beginning of this week. I've lost track of time. Uh, days, uh, but we, day, seven, day, day 77, seven. okay, so I don't know what day they did the conference call with Anthony Brown, or I mean Xavier Woods, um, and uh, he was, they were asking, he got asked about is it difficult to learn uh, when you're doing everything virtually, and he goes, you know, it's different, he goes, but it's almost like being back in college, he goes, I took online courses, and that's how we learned. It was online. So he goes, this is kind of the same, uh, you know, paying attention uh, when you're uh, online to listen to a professor. So uh, for some of the younger guys, they, they might understand this better than, you know, what we do because they kind of were used to that uh, in, in college. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's different. Uh, but everybody, again, is in the same boat. The problem is, yeah, he still hasn't had a face-to-face -face meeting with all 90 guys on the roster. And, and as he pointed out, with whatever he's using, Zooming to stream or whatever, that you can't get 90 faces on the screen at the same time. So that's kind of the biggest difference. And just the personal contact you have with the players. So what you're saying, Mickey, is that Johnny Manziel was a trendsetter as far as college <laughs> athletes are concerned, and now everybody takes all their classes. Yeah, he, he, he'd, be, he'd fit in r real good now going to summer school or finishing out the semester, right? Because that's what most everybody had to do, the high school kids, elementary school. Uh, and who knows, you know, you, you may end up doing that on a, on a temporary basis when everybody goes back to school in the fall. You know, I've read different things about... Come on, Dr. Fauci. We're going to be back in class. Everybody, right? Not, not class, Dr. Fauci. Some yes, going right. two days and some going three days and uh, alternating next week. <laughs> all, of these all of these colleges are turning into the University of Phoenix. That's, That's right. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> how much is University of Phoenix going to benefit from this stuff? All right. Um, let's uh, about as far as Dak Prescott is concerned, Mickey, because uh, back in April when Mike McCarthy met with the media, of course, he he was he was not going uh, to say one way or the other whether Dak Prescott was participating in the virtual offseason. He, as much as alluded to it yesterday, didn't come right out and say it, but uh, when asked about Dak Prescott, uh, I don't think he was asked point blank about whether Dak is uh, involved in the virtual offseason, but he said that uh, it's a business situation that Dak is going through right now. There is communication, and it's uh, something that they'll just have to deal with, and, but he doesn't believe it will be set back any. 
Yeah, and you know, you would li- certainly like your your quarterback taking part in anything. I still don't understand, you know, why he's not. It's not creating any leverage. It certainly hasn't affected uh, the negotiations one way or another. I mean, again, you know, you roll out of bed. You don't even have to put a T-shirt on to join the meeting, right? <laughs> don't have to comb your hair. Or, you know, take a shower. It's pretty simple. It's not like asking a lot. So, uh, well, that, again, that's not the way I Bill does it, Spags. Yeah. Everybody doesn't do like Bill. I know, right? and, and, and I understand agents, and you know, they it's his their their client and telling them what to do. But to me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's always been the move, though. Uh, you nothing's different here. Just because it's virtual, it's not going to make a difference to the player or to the agent themselves. They're still trying to take their stand and they're trying to show that they have resolve and that, uh, okay, as long as we're going to have these issues and this is going to be dragged out the way it is, then this is going to be my uh, punishment to you. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. I don't, I don't think at this point it's extremely urgent. Uh, I don't know how much they're changing up the offensive game plan spags. You might know more than I would. But, uh, you know, when you come off of a season like Dak had, you know, all uh, mistakes and, and, and bad games aside, you're talking about a guy who had a premier year. And uh, I would imagine he's thinking, uh, I've been out here practicing with Dez Bryant, so I'm ready. You know, <laughs> you know my, my thought on that, though, is if, what if I have to, you know, what if we don't get a long-term deal done and I got to play on the franchise tag? Well, if I'm playing on the franchise tag, boy, I want to have the best year I've ever had. And I want to be totally prepared because I don't want to have a down year. And then I'm either, you know, trying to get the second franchise tag or they say, you know what, I just don't know that we need this guy. Uh, I would, and, and that's far-fetched, right? I understand. Of course. And, and, but if you're, you know, maybe you do this if you're a quarterback. But say you're, I don't know, an offensive lineman or a cornerback. Boy, I would want to have the best year I could have to market myself just in case I had to go into free agency. I'm sure now, as a, now I'm speaking as a player. When you're talking as a player and you come off the year that he just had, now team-wise, of course, uh, there was a lot of uh, things left on the table. But as far as his own individual year, I think he's feeling pretty good about himself. And, you know, just, you know, one offseason uh, camp, won't really make a difference. Hopefully we won't have to deal with this uh, the next time around. Uh, when is the next scheduled virtual off-season camp? Do you know? I don't, I, how do they do this? You know, are we going to have more than one? Seems like they could have it every day since we're going to the University of Phoenix type of uh, learning here. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to overburden the players now in the off-season, right? You can't be, ta- yeah, can't be right. taxing them, right? Plus, plus, you know, and Bill Bill mentioned, uh, you know, that everything kind of moving forward. So uh, I was going to ask Mr. Optimism, so you think the players and coaches will be back in the building, say, in two weeks, middle of June? You know, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. You know, my man Lincoln Riley up at Oklahoma, he said that it'd be crazy on the college level. It'd be crazy for the student athletes to be back on campus as they normally would be at the beginning of the summer on June 1st. And OU has, they're bringing their players back on July 1st, even though conferences are now allowing players, I believe, to be back on campus as early as June 8th, summer June 15th. Uh, So uh, in the abundance of caution, they've been advised 
at, at that particular university by their doctors to bring them back as late as possible. Which leads me to the question, I don't know that it necessarily matters uh, right now uh, outside of, yeah, with a, especially with the Cowboys with a new coaching staff, you would like to have some hands-on uh, time with your players as early as possible. But Everson, as a player, uh, has not had an off-season program hands-on on an NFL, in an NFL facility. How much time will these players need to get ready for the season? How different will it be from past years as far as physically being able to play a regular season football game uh, in early September? You know, to me, I think you have to look at veterans versus rookies. You know, we've signed some very prominent rookies to this team you know, through the draft. And if we want these guys to be involved in this game, in this, in this team and, and in this season, then we're going to have to get some, some of these players uh, a chance to play. Uh, so having said that, it's very important at this point uh, when you're talking about bringing in C.D. Lamb. You know, this guy has to be ready to go. Uh, we're looking at him as one of our slot guys. He's going to have to be ready to go. We're looking at the defensive ends that we signed. They're going to have to be ready to go. These are You've got a, uh, because of the free agency and because of the draft picks, you're going to have to have this team running on all cylinders if we want to make a move that we didn't make last year. Uh, coming off of last season was not good. So these players are going to have to be really in tune to a new system, uh, especially defensively. Uh, the cornerbacks themselves, you know, it's about timing when it comes to cornerbacks. Uh, you can't just get out there and say, well, I've been looking at film of myself and now I'm ready to go. No, you have to go out there and compete against these other players. So, yeah, the time uh, that they need to get prepared for this season is very precious right now and definitely more precious than it has been during uh, other off seasons. But as far as training camp goes, uh, normal length training camp should be good, right? As far as from a no, physical, no. physical standpoint, get ready for the season, or do they need more time? No, they're going to need more time. You've got different players. You've got newer players coming in. You've got, even though they're veterans that came in from Carolina, you've got uh, the free agent signings. I truly believe they're going to need more time because I'm still including this offseason as a factor. You still have to get some work done in the offseason as you prepare for the, the training camp. Right now, players are... They're not like we were, Bill. Right. We used to come in all off, all off season. We didn't do jack. We came to training camp to get in shape. Right. Now these guys are different. They're in shape all year round. They are having a, a bit of a problem doing that with this special situation with the disease going around. How, how, how do you think the Players Association is going to feel? Because there's an opportunity here. Let's say it all clears up and people can be back on campus by June 15th or so. In a normal off-season, that basically is when the off-season program is ending, June 15th or 20th, and then the players have a month off before the start of training camp. Yes. I don't know if the league will, will if the if the teams will propose this to the players, but how would the players' union feel about okay going ahead and that last month that you're normally off, you're back on campuses and you're and you're doing an off-season program, getting set for training camp. How will that go over with the players? You know, I think the players just wanted to work, whatever it is. At this point, everything is so unique, Bill, that we're all, as players, as the as Players Association and, and management is concerned, we're all trying to make it work now. 
There is no schedule that we are accustomed to. Everything has changed. The, uh, the, the scheduling for the offseason has changed. I think there will be a better meeting of the minds when it comes to management versus the union and how the players want to deal with this. Uh, now, the only thing that, that I think would be a problem, as long as you don't talk about taking away some of my money, <laughs> if you're talking about taking away some of my money, yeah, we have an issue. But if we all are coming together in a, in a coordinated effort, I think, I think they, would, they would all meet in the middle in, the, in regard to this. So, but, so you'd be fine with taking away your July beach time uh, to get ready for the season. Nobody's going to the beaches, Bill. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. Ask that's Dr. Right. Fauci. Dr. No Fauci one's going to, to the beach. Right? <laughs> they might. They might go to. How <laughs> 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 it looks like we've lost Mickey there. Uh, hey, uh, Everson, a little bit later in the show, we are going to, uh, in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Ron Slavin, the agent for Alden Smith. We'll get into that. But we're also going to get into cornerbacks on this team coming up uh, later in the show. And uh, Mickey talked about the virtual owners meeting that is going on today. And uh, the big proposal that is out there, Mickey, I understand you're back with us now. The big proposal out there is the onside kick alternative where a team can instead run a play, a fourth and 15 play from their own 25-yard line in order to keep the football after scoring a touchdown. What do you think of it? You know, to me, it's quite intriguing uh, that you get that option. I mean, you can still onside kick if you want and take your chances kicking off from the, the normal spot, but uh, this kind of gives you, and you can only do it twice uh, in, in a game, and not in overtime, uh, and it is not a time play. So uh, if you're desperate and you think you've got a nice fourth and 15 play, uh, you know, why not? My, 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 uh, what I'm thinking, though, is are the owners going to do something like this so far removed from the tradition of the game to go ahead and say, okay, let's try this? Because this is sort of an AAF thing. This is sort of an XFL thing. Uh, and it really does sound like that, Spags. That's, that is an XFL, CFL thing if I've ever heard it. I don't know if, I don't even see the, the, the validity of using that form of a, of a, of a, of a special team, I guess. I, I don't even see the, I don't know who came up with that. I mean, we, we could pull something else out of our butts, I guess, well, and just come up with something like that. But what, what is the basis of using that format? Well, here's, here's what happened. They've looked at the last two years uh, since they've changed uh, what you can do on kickoffs, like no run-up, uh, where you're kicking from, uh, the type of blocking that goes on. And, and they've discovered over the last two seasons only 10.2% of the onside kicks have been recovered. So it's almost like useless. Uh, in 2018, 7.7% uh, was recovered. And I, I'm told that from 2001 uh, through 2017, onside kicks were the average of all those years uh, were recovered at 19.5%. So it's almost like the onside kick, it, 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 it's, it's not working, uh, the, the chances of recovering it. So that's why they, this was proposed. I think it was Philadelphia and 
I think it's Philadelphia. And there was one other team, Indianapolis. So, so why go? Why go to? Why go to the fourth and fifteen? Uh, why go to that? They, why would that be used? It, because the same percentage of success. Well, that that part that I don't know if they've at? looked at how many teams have converted a third and fifteen or a fourth and uh, fifteen. Uh, the, I'm sure that was right. Part the of reward's it. pretty good. Uh, the downside, pretty bad, right? Because if nothing else, if you don't convert, you're basically saying, I'm giving them a field goal. You know, if you don't recover an onside kick, well, okay, they're, they're halfway there. They're probably around the 50-yard line or so, 40-yard uh, line. That's it's not true. an automatic yeah. field goal attempt, right. but this basically is an automatic field goal. Unless you have Brett Maher on That's your right. team. That's <laughs> right. Don't bring that name up again, Bill. Do not bring that name up ever again on this show, please. You know, and Patrick... <laughs> well, he can nail that 60 yard. said, I'm good. I've got a lot of fourth and 15 plays I can complete. That's exactly right. All right, coming up next here on Mix Shots, we will be joined by the agent for one Alden Smith. Ron Slavin joins and us. And guys, up. just remember, if you go to Jack Black right now, you can save 5% and never run out again. Choose auto replenishment. Get 5% off every order, plus you get these other great benefits that we always talk about, free shipping, free five-piece gift set, uh, automatic delivery on your set schedule. So if you go to getjackblack.com get and hit auto refresh now, you can get this great benefit. You almost made it, Spags. Almost. Ron Slavin is next. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back, back, back to Mick Shots. 
Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so happy for, for where all it is uh, right now, personally. Um, I mean, he's such an impressive young man, and you know, in, in his path uh, to Dallas is, is special and unique. So, just, just um, thankful and blessed to be, to be a part of this opportunity with him. So, um, he, you know, he, he, he wants to get back and. and you know, professionally and, and be part of, be part of the football team, be productive. Uh, he's in, he's in great physical shape. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see him get out there for the first time. I mean, he's, you know, he's bigger and stronger, um, than he was when, um, you know, we had the chance to compete against him when he was with the 49ers, um, obviously playing at an elite level. So, um, I think it's going to be exciting to see him get on the field and, and, and get back into it. But, uh, you know, he's in a great, He's in a great place and um, very thankful and uh, for his, you know, for him being part of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Mike McCarthy yesterday in a conference call with the Dallas Cowboys media talking about Alden Smith as the, uh, as the Cowboys defensive end reinstated last week, able to take part in those, that virtual offseason program starting a couple of days ago. And here on Mixed Shots, we are now joined by Ron Slavin, the locally-based agent for Alden Smith, practically a neighbor of mine. Uh, Ron, uh, we appreciate you joining us here on uh, Mixed Shots. Just how excited is Alden Smith to be uh, here with the Cowboys and being able to now to participate on a regular basis with the team? He's fired up. Um, he had his physical yesterday, got sized up for his pads, helmets, all the, all that type of thing. So he, he's excited and he's ready to go as soon as they uh, open up for business. Ron, you know, I, uh, the, the fact that uh, he's given this a shot, I was just wondering if you could walk us through just sort of how you got uh, hooked up with uh, Alden uh, and what that process looked like for you, uh, even to have confidence in him to say, okay, I think he's serious about doing this. Um, in December, I was actually watching, I don't remember, one of the Sunday night football games, and I got a phone call from Jay Glazer, and Jay called me and said he had been training Alden since August, um, that Alden had been sober since then, and wanted to know if I had interest in working with him. Um, I made a few other phone calls, had actually a couple other people um, on that associated with the league side call me on it, and then Alden flew to Dallas. We met, and... After spending a couple of days with him, I, I just felt it that he was serious and ready. And um, I think I've, I've said this before, but you know, when he told me that he's not blaming other people anymore, he's taking it upon himself. And when people with substance abuse issues um, take it upon themselves to get themselves right and quit blaming everybody else for their problems, is usually the turning point. And when I heard that come out of his mouth, I knew that he was ready and and going to put in the work and do everything he could to, to be right. And that was in, that was the end of December, early January. And here we are at the end of May and he's still on a great track and he's bigger and stronger. Like coach McCarthy said, than I mean, when people see this kid, he's, it's, he's, he's different and his, but the athleticism and, you know, he's been working out with um, a defensive line coach here in Dallas, uh, Brandon Tucker, who works with a bunch of NFL guys. And I went out and watched him a couple of times just in this park out in Plano and his get offs and his the work with his hands and all the things that he does. He's he's an elite athlete. 
Uh, Ron, I, this is Ashton. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask you about did um, his abilities, uh, you know, with the standard that he set uh, when he was playing and at just one of the best players people have ever seen, did his abilities have anything to do with the decision that you made to represent him besides the fact that uh, you knew of his uh, substance abuse problems and things of that nature? Uh, if he wouldn't have had that great ability, would you – uh, take the time and deal with someone like that. Um, you know, every situation is different. I get phone calls with all different players that are either going through things or, you know, maybe their agent wasn't, you know, thought they were done and they want my opinion on if they could still play. Um, so when Jay called me and said what Alden was doing physically, um, it just made sense to take the meeting and, and see where he's at. I mean, if you're asking me if a guy calls me that had – 2012 had one sack, and now we're in 2020. <laughs> I'm probably not taking. <laughs> but you, you would probably take Everson Walls though when you look at his stats, and he had 57 career stats. But maybe not at his age right now. Oh, I'd still take him. You know, you never, you, you never know. You might, you might have a little juice in in the system still. And a little hair dye, just a little hair dye. Too. No, you could be the, you could be the original gray-haired. Pro Bowl corner. There you go, man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, Ron, it it, uh, it seems like Dallas is the perfect fit for Alden Smith when you consider uh, the fact that Jerry and, the, and this organization is, is one that is willing to take second chances on guys. Uh, Mike McCarthy, of course, uh, it's been well chronicled. He visited the uh, Jay Glazer's gym. His, his daughter works out there and had a conversation with Alden back in December. And, uh, and the fact that Jim Tom Sula, his former uh, position coach with the 49ers, is here with Dallas. And the fact that you, his agent, are based here as far as accountability goes, that sort of thing. It seems like the perfect fit, doesn't it? I, I always thought it, but I also didn't want to make the decision for Alden. I wanted him to be comfortable with the decision he made. So when I went to the combine and had a bunch of interest, I wanted him to go through it and talk to people and make the decision and – Again, I've said it before, but, you know, Alden called me, the, I think it was March 29th or 30th, and said, you know, this is, Dallas feels like the, the place that I want to be. So when I heard it out of his mouth, because I didn't want it coming out of my mouth, I don't want people thinking, oh, he lives in Dallas, so he's going to push everybody to the Cowboys. Um, as much as I'd like to see the Cowboys win when you live in the city, it's more bearable to live here. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to have them... Um, make the decision on his own just was the right thing to do. And, um, but all, but all the pieces definitely, you know, added up and made sense. And, um, the Joneses are great to work with. They, they are more willing to give people second chances and, um, coach McCarthy and Alden hit it off and Tom Sula having the, um, familiarity with Alden, you know, yeah, all those things lined up me being here, but again, I wanted Alden to make the decision. So he was comfortable with it. You know, Ron, that sounds like uh, how you deal with your kids when they're getting ready to go to college. Mm. Uh, you kind of got to let them make that decision. And, you know, if it doesn't work out or you don't agree with it, that's on them. You can't uh, tell them, no, you're going here. So that, that that's, a, that's a really good point. So I, I'm interested in 
the fact that, you know, when he last played, and it was five years ago, and the end of the, or November 15th of 2015, I think he was playing at like 260, 265, and my understanding, I don't know what he weighed in yesterday, uh, but uh, reading from what some of the things Jay Glazer said, he was in the 280s, but strong, a lot stronger. Uh, is, is that the case? Do you think he still has, uh, you know, the, the ability to be that pass rushing defensive end, even though he might be 20 pounds uh, heavier? Yeah, so Alden, you know, he, he literally didn't miss a workout since August. So even you, Mickey, if you showed up to workouts every single day <laughs> since August, you're probably going to get stronger. All right? so, Negligibly, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> you won't be smarter. So, you know. <laughs> he, when, I mean, he got off the plane here, and I was like, hey, I got this set up with Brandon Tucker to work with you on the D-line stuff. And you know, I had a bunch of stuff lined up for him. And the first thing he said was, I'm going to take a couple of days to chill because I literally <laughs> haven't had a day off from workouts. And those MMA workouts, you know, punching people, getting hit, all those things are, are tough. And he just wanted a couple of days to relax. But it's it's power and strength. And if you, you know, Jay Glazer's talked about it where – He's worked with hundreds of guys there coming in and out of there. And I think he said the only guy that's physically as strong with his hands was Kyle Long. And Alden's even stronger than that. And Coach Tucker, he called me after his first workout with Alden. And he's like, Ron, I had a pad in my hand. And every time he was striking me with his hands with these pass rush moves, I felt like I was getting hit by a frying pan. So he's, <laughs> he's I'm telling you guys, he's just different. He, you know, the thing, I mean, 42 and a half sacks in 43 games wasn't for not and then people say oh that was five years ago like you just said in your question but there's this certain i mean i represent adrian peterson i mean there's just certain guys that it doesn't matter their age they can just keep coming and their work ethic and their strength and all of those types of things just never go away you know i saw where jay glazer was talking about some apparatus they have the guys working on and it's on a wall and he was the first one to pull the apparatus off the wall he just didn't pull it off the wall. The bolt that is into the concrete, he ripped it out of the wall. <laughs> so, what so are you with here, guys? Come on, man. Like, a lot of people down here like to drive pickup trucks and pull stuff. I mean, Alden could probably do some work for him in the yard anymore if, if they need with the strength that he's showed uh, pulling that thing out of the wall. So who has the stronger handshake, Alden or Adrian Peterson? Because Adrian's is legendary. Oh, that's yeah, no, that's Adrian all day long. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of old linemen and D linemen, they don't have the firmest handshakes because their hands are always so beat up and sore. So they sometimes you'll get a fish shake from a three hundred and twenty pound guy. But <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's six in the morning or six at night. Adrian's trying to break your hand. How's that, how's that handshake, Everson? No, I have a great handshakes guy. Okay. My, my dad had the strongest handshake you've ever been around. I tell people all the time, he could change a tire with no tools. That's how big his hands were. <laughs> That's what I've been dealing with all my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for that. But, Ron, I had to ask you, uh, you know, it's great to be in physical shape. Uh, of course, he's always been a, a physical specimen. Uh, and his, But his attitude is something, obviously, that, that everyone's – been worried about do you think the the loss of the game uh, that being taken away from him uh even though it took a while do you think that was a big motivation in him being so uh so in, intent on coming back and and finishing what he started yeah, he just you know he 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 said it in the reinstatement meeting that 
you know, he screwed up and he wants to not only be come back and be the player that he was, but be an influence for younger players coming into the league and younger players that might end up having problems and be, you know, a guy that they can come to. He wants to be that person in this league. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, Everson, you played and, and, you know, you've seen it, but guys come into the league and it's tough and people can sit at home and be armchair quarterbacks all they want, but you're 21, 22 years old. You're given a bunch of money. Um, there's a bunch of attribute to players going down the wrong path. And he wants to help guys, you know, so that these same things don't happen. Um, so the fire is burning for him. Um, you know, him and I have had talks a lot too about, you're, you're 30, you're not 25 anymore. I mean, you know, Everson, I'm sure you, you, you said it yourself, you guys came to training camp and got yourself in shape that way. Um, these guys work out all year round, but Alden was one of those guys where he'd bend over, touch his toes, and he's warm, ready to go and go get five sacks. <laughs> so, you know, being 30 instead of 25, you know, the warm-up routine, get, you know, taking care of your body, the extra work that it needs to be put in, um, those are the things, too, that he's going to have to adjust because he wants to, you know, he, he wants to play a long time now and he wants to get those years in. So it's also just taking care of his body off the field and doing all those things because I always tell people NFL lives are like dog lives. For every one year in the league, it's like seven years on your body. So if you're not taking yeah. care of yourself, you're not doing the things off the field, um, you know, you're not going to last a long time. I think uh, a lot of people, uh, not just Cowboy fans, but there's a lot of people when they hear the story of Alden Smith, uh, they're going to be rooting for him to, to have some success as he comes back into the league. Let me ask you about another client of yours, Leighton Vander Esch, of course, who uh, had his uh, season shortened due to the neck injury and had the surgery uh, after the season. And he sounds like he is 100% and raring to go. Give us an update on Leighton. Leighton feels great. Uh, we actually went fishing the other night and he pulled in a monster bass like the first five seconds. He put a pole in the water. So I told him he should quit while he was ahead because then we sat for three more hours and never got anything. But um, Leighton's awesome. He does everything right, works his butt off. And again, armchair quarterbacks want to be like, oh, they drafted a guy with a neck injury. It's That's not the truth. It's not what it was. Mike Mayock said it on NFL Network and everybody took off and ran with it. Um, you know, he was born with a condition that. A lot of guys play with some guys never have issues with it. Other guys, you know, get hit the wrong way or something happens and, and injuries happen in this game. So got surgery, he says he feels better than he ever has in his life because he doesn't have that tightness in his neck anymore. Um, I mean, last year he was playing with one arm um, and he was missing tackles that the guy never missed. I think the year, I think his rookie year, he, his tackling percentage was the highest in, in the league. Um, he, he rarely missed tackles and, so now that he's, you know, out there, he'll be 100% raring to go. And I think in this new scheme, he's going to be able to do a bunch of cool things because the guys in front of him are going to be a lot bigger, taking up a lot more space. And I, I have a feeling that Leighton's going to have an incredible season and make a ton of plays for the defense. You know, and Ron, we talked about this uh, last week on, you know, anytime you have surgery on your neck, it's, it's pretty serious surgery. And, uh, you know, I had seen someone refer to him as having minor neck surgery, and I don't think there's anything uh, ever that's minor when they're sur- you're having surgery on your neck. Mickey, you need to hire me to be your PR guy. 
<laughs> you got to put out the statement that it's a minor injury. I don't care what it is. Always <laughs> Otherwise, the fans pile on and everybody thinks it's the end of the world and right. Cowboys suck at drafting and everybody's an idiot and blah, blah, blah. Well, so, I- yeah, it's not, no, and, and the, the reality is, and this isn't agent talk, you know, I, I don't like to BS people. It was minimal for a neck surgery is the actual, uh, I guess, wording that was told to me from the doctors. It was an easy get in, get out. It wasn't a, you know, an eight-hour surgery. Um, they were in and out quick. They opened up the area that had the um, the issue and fixed them up. And, I mean, the first couple of days were rough for him because you're right, any surgery on that area is tough. But he's been raring to go. And, I mean, he's 250-something pounds again. And, he looks great. Glad to hear that, Ron, because I was one of those guys that was really concerned about it. Uh, we saw how important he was for this team, and we saw that when he wasn't playing well, defensively, we weren't playing well. So uh, I wouldn't say so goes uh, Van Der Esch, so goes the Cowboys' defense, but he's an integral part of that defense. And I like the way uh, Mike Nolan's going to come in uh, with the, the activity of the front line, which is going to be amazing. Our linebackers are going to be even more active than they've always been. And I really look forward to, to, to Van Der Esch doing a whole lot better than last year. We were very concerned about him, to be honest. And uh, you, you've kind of uh, alleviated that uh, concern a little bit, the way you've uh, uh, talked about this surgery. So let's hope that, uh, that that's just the way it is and, and he can come back and be the guy that we saw when he was at top-notch level. So I'm going to take your word for it, Ron. All right? Linebackers are going to be When you're talking about Mike Nolan, um, you know, during the draft process, the whole time Leighton wanted to come to the Cowboys. That was his team. Um, when I signed him here at the Cowboys Club, we had dinner, and we were like, you're going to be a top-20 kid and uh, top-20 pick, and let's get you here to Dallas because that's that was always his team. And uh, But during the process, the other – coach and team that he hit it off with was the Saints and it was when he had his visit in New Orleans coach Nolan was the one who picked him up and took him around um, the facility and they hung out like pretty much the entire visit so when coach Nolan was hired here Leighton was fired up because he had really hit it off with him during the draft process and again Everson you know in this you know in the league there's certain um, you never burn bridges and you always take advantage of the opportunities with the meetings you have because coaches move around a lot and never know who's going to be your next coach. And um, it's. I got bailed out a whole lot. Yeah, Yeah, you got got (laughs) an opportunity to spend it with uh, Coach Nolan. And and, uh, now he's here coaching him. You know, uh, Ron, before we let you go, I want you to to relate a story to us. I don't know how much it got out there about Leighton. We all know he's a great athlete, but his basketball playing ability growing up AAU basketball is pretty legendary in the state of Idaho, isn't it? That's just not the AAU is the, you know, he led his high school to two state championships. Um, I think he averaged like 30 points and 10 boards. Yeah. He averaged 30 points, 10 boards all the way through the tournament. Um, His AAU teams though, they used to play, um, you know, because it was an Idaho AAU, people wouldn't give him respect, but then Leighton showed up. And they'd beat teams all on the West Coast all the time. And there's guys playing in the oh. NBA now that Leighton was dunking on. So, um, <laughs> you know, his three older sisters were all really good basketball players. They played in college. One of them played overseas. Um, they had an indoor basketball court there in Riggins growing up. So, yeah, I, 
you know, I've said it before, if Leighton wasn't an NFL player, he probably would have been an NBA player. And if he wasn't an NBA player, he probably would have been a Navy SEAL and killed Osama bin Laden. Like anything, <laughs> anything Leighton wants to do, he can get it done. The guy is multi-talented. So, Everson, Everson, don't you say bad things about Leighton Vander Esch, all right? Hey, I, I, obviously not. White men can't jump. So, that's not a good thing. That's a good thing. to get in his way, I guarantee yeah, right, you. Right. Right. 30 and 10. 30 and 10. I'm moving out the way, yeah. Did you hear that? 48 uh, vertical? Woo! My goodness. 40 inch. 40. 40. 40. Okay. But he was 256. That's still amazing. Wow. Yeah, 256 pounds of the combine jumps 40. Ridiculous. Wow. Well, Ron, we appreciate you joining us. We'll have to do it again sometime, especially since you're right. When we get back in studio at the star, we invite you right into the star. (laughs) I'll wear one of my sweet suits. There you go. All right, Ron Slavin, the agent Thanks. for Alden Smith. Way to go, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Others, we appreciate you joining <laughs> us here on Mix Shots, and we continue in just a moment. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas, and Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more, do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back, back, to mixed shots. Don't miss your Cowboys, Don't miss your this, Cowboys season this season at AT&T Stadium. Stadium. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get your tickets today at DallasCowboys.com. Love hearing Dr. Fauci. Love hearing Dr. Fauci yes, say that. Hey, yes, there will be games this fall. Fans, you're fired. Tickets to these games. Hey, Bill. Sorry, fans. Since we're talking, we're talking single game tickets. I was doing some research in the seat. 
around April of 1990. And uh, one of the things I ran into, it was an announcement in the newspaper that the Cowboys' 1990 single-game tickets were going on sale June 1st. The cost $25 and $19 per ticket. Wow. Things have changed just those Yeah, they were all the same. And the 19, if I remember correctly, that was for the second level at Texas Stadium. But all the all the seats down and the bottom level were $25. Didn't matter if you were on the 50 or the a goal line, they were $25. have headphones in, please. I hear feedback. It's like. Not even, like, uh, not even the party passes now. Not even the party passes now. Yeah, yeah right. right. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, how about, uh, how about Ron Slavin? I love talking to him. That was good him. stuff. Uh, could have talked to him a whole show. That was great from? stuff. Mixed shots. Yeah. What would you take from what he said? I tell you what. Anytime you get a white dude that can play some basketball, I have a whole new respect for him. Okay? I have no idea that he had those kind of skills. You know, when you're talking about going on the West Coast playing some basketball and you're a white dude from Idaho? Is that what they just said? And you know, of course, Idaho is a basketball mecca, okay, that we just didn't know know about. But when you're going on the West Coast, Man, this is you know, some good that news is for man. Me, uh, this is some good news for me, uh, and especially with him explaining uh, the intricacies of the surgery. Uh, uh, intricacies of the surgery. It actually makes me feel a little bit better about what they were doing, and, and hopefully the result is is, uh, is going to come out and make us keep us as optimistic as we've always been. It really gives me a, a better look at what our linebackers might be able to do behind this. So I think the key word there that he explained about Van Der Esch's surgery: minimally invasive. Not minor surgery, minimally invasive. <laughs> like That's a scope. Right. It's like a scope. And Bill now Everson's got more respect for you, right? Bill was a basketball player now, remember no, that? No, no, no. Uh, no. When you no. think about Bill's vertical, a little bit different from Van Der Esch's vertical. <laughs> in fact, we played basketball at the same time back uh, in Dallas. He was at Berkner, I was at MacArthur, didn't play against each other. But uh, I played against Bill, Bill, I used to jump center. I used to jump center, Bill. I don't think you used to jump center, buddy. <laughs> no, I was, I was an outside shooter. I was a 6'4", three-point shooter. Only problem was we didn't have a three-point line back then. <laughs> so you were just a jump shooter, that's all. That, that's right, that's right. No, I was a, a set shooter. <laughs> oh, that's, that's worse. That's worse. Yeah, right. Um, about what he said about Alden Smith, and I really do think when you get to know, you know, before Alden Smith signed with the Cowboys, I didn't know that much about him as far as what kind of person he is. Yeah, you see the reports and everything, uh, but as the agent alludes to, I mean, he had issues that he has now taken uh, account for, and uh, it sounds like he's turned his uh, life around, and, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and absolutely, him. and I think what people need to understand you know, just because you get reinstated doesn't mean you're in the all clear, right? You know, they, they give you a program uh, and guidelines that you have to continue to follow. And you better meet all those, uh, you know, objectives that they have in that program. Otherwise, they can reverse it, you know, in a minute. Uh, so it's like he's got to continue to do what he's been doing for nine months. Uh, and you know, I thought it was 
uh, interesting to hear that he would like to help other people that may have been going through some of the things he was going through uh, and kind of be a spokesman or a mentor uh, for other guys that have suffered through some of that. So, yeah, he gets that chance to do that. Uh, you know, he gets that chance. So this is the last chance. Uh, I'll guarantee you. And it's not like about doing something like this uh, I, I that's why I wanted to ask Ron about what is what the mental aspect was in regards to what uh, Alden is dealing with you can be as physical as you want you can get out there and work out and you can okay I'm back physically but when you go through some of the things that he's gone through uh, given the chances that he's been given that com there comes a mental approach to what he has to do and, and all those things he has to make up for because I'm sure he's given many promises in the past about how he's turned things around. You have to be mentally aware of where you are in life, not just physically aware, if you want to come back and do this game again. Because all of the things that come with it, and Ron kind of talked about it, you know, you got young guys out there that can't really understand what's going on and they get taken a certain way, just as Alden did. He has to make sure he doesn't repeat those mistakes that he made when he was 25 years old. And it's easy to do that because now this is the, a brand new Alden Smith coming into his 30 years of age and he's going to have to deal with all those same issues that the 25-year-old Alden Smith had to deal with. That's what we have to look out for. You know, I also think the fact that uh, Jim Tom Sula had him during those uh, days where he was racking up all those sacks in San Francisco and the issues arose, and I would imagine he gave his seal of approval to this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have, you know, the, the Cowboys would have listened to what Tom Sula had to say because he was the one coach who had hands-on experience with him. And uh, the fact that, uh, that I think that tells you that Alden Smith was – in Tom Sula's mind, is not necessarily a bad guy. He just had a, right. a problem that he had to, to deal with and, and get through. And uh, so hopefully uh, we'll see good things from him. You know, and Bill, one of the other interesting things I think Ron pointed out was it wasn't just the Cowboys interested in him. He made it sound like there were other teams that were going through an interview process and uh, were likely interested in signing him. You know, I hear uh, all this stuff out there with people that don't know talking about, well, only the Cowboys would do something like this uh, to take a chance on a guy. Uh, it sounds like there were other teams after they saw maybe what he's done and the shape he got himself in that were interested in signing him. And really, the Cowboys aren't taking a chance, in my mind. I mean, when you look at the contract and the way it is structured and uh, with the incentives in it uh, and, and also what they did by drafting an eye, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Randy Gregory's coming back as well. And, and, act, and they've got several other defensive ends on their roster. They've got numbers at the defensive end position. Now we just have to see who can play. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, when you haven't played for five years, that you know, that's a, that's a huge comeback. Uh, but again, uh, and, and you know, to amplify that, he doesn't get maybe an off season to get back into feeling like playing football. 
so this is going to be kind of a shotgun start for him probably when training camp begins. All right, let's talk cornerbacks, okay? I think Everson would like to talk cornerbacks. Mickey, you want to get us started with your thoughts on uh, – on where the Cowboys are at the cornerback position, of course, having drafted Trayvon Diggs in the second round, Reggie Robinson in the fourth round, Daryl Worley, a new player coming in here as well, uh, and uh, then they've got the returning guys at, at cornerback with the exception of Byron Jones. Yeah, and I, I, I think that, uh, you know, what they've done for sure is, you know, stock some depth at that cornerback position where there was no depth whatsoever uh, heading into the offseason. You had Chidabe Awuzie, uh, Jordan Lewis, and they re-signed Anthony Brown. And that was really it. Uh, so the fact that they drafted a couple guys, uh, I, I think this is going to be one of the more. And I'm going to assume there's a training camp, Bill, and they're going to start on time. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be one of the more competitive positions, I think, going forward, just uh, not only because of the number of guys that they've thrown at this position, but the fact that it's a new coaching staff. And we all know if you played athletics and you ended up on a team with a new coach, man, you tried your hardest to impress that guy. Uh, and so that's what's going to happen. I just think there's been somewhat out there in some of the media uh, a rush to judgment that just because the Cowboys drafted a guy in the second round or they got a guy in the fourth round that these young kids are just automatically walk-in starters. I think Chidabe Awuzie and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis might have something to say about that. So I don't think anything's just given to these guys, and uh, certainly Everson uh, understands that, uh, the situation he came into uh, when he came into the league. Yeah, speaking of that, Spags, uh, that, this is a piece of cake compared to what uh, Mike Downs, myself, and Ron Fellows had to go through. We had 25 rookie <laughs> DBs. You know, in training camp, 25. Okay, let's just think about that. So uh, I'm not uh, really concerned about the number. I really am concerned about the quality uh, because uh, you're talking about uh, two good cornerbacks coming in that I think are going to play immediately. Uh, when you're coming into training camp and as these young guys come in, hopefully they can really bring something new to the game. What, what Mike Downs and myself and fellows brought in was the fact that we were ball hawks. Okay, we, we, we were going for the ball. We were hungry. You could see that in every drill that we did. And I want to see these guys, especially Diggs, come in and show me what he's learned and, and uh, teach the, bring, bring that turnover-minded uh, ball-playing ability back to the Cowboys. I was talking with Mike Downs the other day, and uh, all I did was just fuss about what happened to the culture, okay? The culture of this Cowboys team has always been to get interceptions, always to get just turnovers. Even after Mike Downs and I left, that continued with Woodson, that continued with Deion Sanders, that continued with some good players that they had in cornerback position. Now we're so, uh, uh, I guess we're just con con content with not making plays, but just kind of, I call it catch and release. You let the ball, you let the guy catch the ball, you fall on top of him, he goes back to the huddle, catch he comes and back and release. does it again. <laughs> to me, that's not where a cornerback is supposed to play football. And I, I like the way Diggs played. I like the way he deciphered plays in college football. It wasn't just the fact that he was trying to shut down the receivers. 
he had an idea of what the offense was trying to do to him. And when you think about the players they brought in, I believe the other kid's name was Robinson. Yes. Am I correct? Robinson. Yeah. Robinson. That, that young man also has a, a nice uh, head for the game. And that's what you want, some heads-up players who can make the plays in the clutch when we need them. I don't need a guy just out there just running beside the receiver. Guys that realize once the ball is in the air, I am the receiver. And that's what I saw from these two ball-hawking guys that they drafted. All right, and Trayvon Diggs had three picks last year for Alabama. Reggie Robinson at Tulsa had four interceptions. All right, and you've got returning starter Cheeto Awuzie, who uh, had one interception, three in his career. You've got Jordan Lewis, two interceptions last year, four in his career. You've got Anthony Brown, no picks last year. Of course, he was hurt uh, quite a bit of the season. And four picks in his career. You've got Daryl Worley, who's been a starter throughout his time in the league. 15 starts for the Raiders last year, one interception uh, and five in his career. Maurice Kennedy is another veteran guy they brought in who started three games last year uh, for the Jets. Who's your starters? The left cornerback, the right cornerback, and the slot corners as this thing gets underway, Everson. I'm looking at Dick. I am looking, just to keep it simple, I'm looking at Diggs to come in halfway during the season. I think he's going to be starting. I truly believe that. Uh, as they start off, because of his physical ability, because of his size, and I love, jo I love uh, uh, Jordan. I really do. This guy can play. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at physicality here. Okay, I'm looking at imposing players that can intimidate wide receivers. So I'm looking at Diggs to come in and play that uh, slot position. Uh, Wuzier, uh, if he continues to do well, he could be the cornerback. And we're looking at Brown on the other side. Otherwise, uh, that's going to be a change as the season goes on. Uh, I don't know. I never, was, I never was impressed with Brown in regards to his recognition and playmaking ability. It's not just interceptions. I mean tackles as well. I mean, just making, making plays on the ball. I don't know how long he will be able to last at that position without being able to make plays on the ball. So I think Diggs is going to eventually end up being a starting corner along with Ouzier. You know, it'll be interesting to see where they line up Diggs. Are they going to put him left or are they going to put him right? Because you know, if we remember, Jones was on the right side, Chidabay was on the left side. Uh, and it'll be interesting, and I think we'll be telling of what the coaches think on where they line these guys up when they initially finally get to go out there. And, you know, uh, and Bill, you mentioned Worley. Um, you know, to me, and he's done it a little bit, not a lot, but he's got a safety body, and if somebody's going to be moving, uh, it might be him uh, moving to safety because they need some depth there. And I think there's going to be a lot expected of Donovan Wilson in his second year uh, to come on and show something. You know, we think we know who the starters are, uh, you know, with Xavier Woods and Aha Clinton Dix, but you need another couple guys back there. Uh, Worley could be one of them. Uh, and Donovan Wilson, you know, does he show up uh, and give them something uh, after really not getting much of a chance his rookie year. Yep, that's right. And who knows, Jamal Adams was going to change the whole picture <laughs> for everybody. All right, that does it for this edition of Mick Shots. For 
Everson Walls and Mickey Spagnola. We appreciate Ron Slavin joining us this week, and we will chat at you again next week right here on Mix Shots. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?